0: We are in this series that we are calling SOAP. And the goal of this series is this. It's to teach you how to allow God's word to shape your life. How many of you want God's word to shape your life? Amen. Yes, sir. I do. I do. So SOAP stands for this. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. This is a basic Bible study method that's used for somebody with no experience or somebody who may consider themselves an expert in the Bible. Now, as your pastors, Chris and I believe that it's not just our job to teach you God's Word, but to actually teach you how to feed yourself and understand His Word for your own. So has this series helped anybody out at all? Has it been a good series? Man, it's been helpful to me as well. Well, we're finishing part two of last week's message on Abraham and the sacrifice. We're going to be using the same fill-in-the-blank notes as last week. Now... I have to get down low and offer my best apology to our first service because I had in my notes last week to warn you that we're not going to fill out all of the fill in the blanks this week because we're going to finish them next week. Now, I told the second service, I don't know what that says. I'm just here to say I'm really sorry. We're going to finish filling them all out today. All right. You good? Everybody okay? Okay. So we're going to do a quick flyover, and the story we're reading from is in Genesis 22. We're going to start reading in verse number one. So let's begin the soap process as we start with Scripture. Here's what it says. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here am I. So God said, take your son, On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire, and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father... And he said, "'Here am I, son.' Isaac said, "'Behold, the fire and the wood, "'but where is the lamb for a burnt offering?' Abraham said, "'God will provide for himself "'the lamb for a burnt offering, my son.' So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood." Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here am I. God said, Don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold... Behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. And as it said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. God, many of us have read this story many, many times. But God, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us something new in your word. God, we ask that you would reveal to us something old that we know that you would firm it and, and, uh, and broil it into our hearts, God, that we would not forget. We ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and ears to your word today. We need your transforming work in our hearts. We love you in Jesus' awesome name. Somebody say a really loud amen. Amen. Somebody say a louder amen. Amen. It said that. Thank you. That was really good. That was really good. It was you back there. Thank you, Deborah. Let's go. Everybody give Deborah a little clap. One, two, three. It's said that this story of Abraham and Isaac is one of the most dramatic and theologically significant stories in the book of Genesis. A perceivably extremely cruel command by God in asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of look at this story and I go, God, have you lost your mind? This is insane. Well, as we approach the text, and we go into step two of SOAP, we're going to observe the text. We're going, to, we're going to observe. And in observation, we ask some questions. And our goal during this step is not to apply anything to us here and now, but to discover what did the writer want us to know about the people then and there. And so to help us understand these things, we ask a lot of questions. Last week, we, we looked at the upbringing of Abraham as we looked at his family of origin, and I'm gonna fly over this because we preached on it we all uh, last week. We looked at the introduction and noticed that we we got to know Abraham when he was an older man at about 70 years old. We looked at the culture at that time and we learned that there were no written scriptures for these people to know anything about God, like you and I have the scriptures. Imagine life with no scripture. And the only thing that these people got to go on is the word of other people. And so we know that most likely the person that Passed down the word of God to Abraham was his great great, 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 great grandfather, Noah. Nobody has no great grandfathers to the ninth power around here. So his great grandfather most likely had told him about God. But because there were nine generations between Noah, the man who walked with God and Abraham, how many know that things get watered down in time? And we learned some things that these people that were the ancestors of Abraham or of Noah, they began to go their own way. They began to wander. And if you take a look at what God asked Abraham to do in sacrificing his son, It would make sense if you understood the Mesopotamian sacrifice culture that he grew up in. See, people made gods for everything they didn't understand, and they sacrificed to these gods. For example, agriculture, rain, the sun, uh, pregnancy, or the they would worship the fertility god, and so they would worship each one of these gods by sacrificing to them to appease to them, in hopes that these gods would bless them with the things that they're looking for: rain to drink, and rain for their crops, or or fertility, so that they could have children and their descendants would last. But when the gods were not blessing them with the sacrifices they offered, they gave bigger and better sacrifices. So it would start with simple things like grain. And then when the gods wouldn't give them blessings from grain, they would, they would, they would get little... Um, The little jackrabbit running around, the family jackrabbit, they would sacrifice that rabbit. And then when that rabbit wasn't enough, they would go find the goat and they'd move on to sheep and and maybe the prized cow of the community. And then when the gods wouldn't bring blessings from all those different types of sacrifices, there was only one thing left, people. And when everybody decided, let's sacrifice Bill, he's not a great worker in the community, kind of has a bad attitude and the gods didn't respond to the sacrifice of Bill, what was left? How about your child? And so here comes God in the midst of this culture where it's a culture of sacrifice. It was something that Abraham was actually familiar with. It was much more normal than you and I would think. We also looked at the family of Abraham, and we noticed that the family of Abraham, Joshua 24 and 2, tells us this about his forefathers. It says... Tirah, Abraham's father, and Nahor, his brother, worshipped other gods. They were pagans in the land that Abraham grew up in. Pagan worship was very common for Abraham. And then we looked at the calling of Abraham and noticed that God had previously called Abraham out from that land of paganism to leave the worship of their fathers and come into a new land and worship a new God, Which brings us to this story where God is inviting Abraham to sacrifice his son. So we're taking a look at the story of Abraham and and the sacrifice. The next thing that I noticed, the next question in this observation is this. Why does God bring him to this mountain to sacrifice? What does God want to teach Abraham here. And there's so many lessons, many more weeks, but we don't have them. We're just going to focus on a couple of things. In your notes, I want you to notice the unfolding. In this story, God is unfolding something about himself to Abraham and something about Abraham to Abraham. So let's take a look. What is God revealing to Abraham, the man from a pagan family that was willing to sacrifice his son? In your notes, I believe he was revealing to Abraham, I am a God who tests. Scripture says at the start of the story, it says God tested Abraham. Here's something really important to understand. God was not tempting Abraham. He was testing Abraham. James tells us that God never tempts any man to sin. So here, as we take a look at the Hebrew word for the word test, it's the word "nasa." It actually means to prove something and to demonstrate something. See, in every test, there's a proving and a demonstration. My daughter just finished testing this last week. It was to prove and to demonstrate what Ellie had learned during all the times of learning this year. And it was to put her up and put a mirror in front of her and say, Ellie, here's the test, here's your results, here's who you are, here's how well you did. And I believe that in every testing, there are questions that are to be answered to prove to the student what the student has or hasn't learned. What is the questions that God is asking in this test? Now, remember something about God. How many of us know that God is all knowing? God does not ask us questions that he does not know the answer to, does he? He knows everything. So I believe that in all of these testings, he was not trying to learn any new information about Abraham because he already knew everything about Abraham. He was actually trying to get Abraham to learn some new information about Abraham. So what is the first question in this test? I believe the first question in this test is, do you hear me, Abraham? In your notes, I believe that this was a test of Abraham's hearing. See, God was saying to Abraham with all of the pagan worship that he had grown up around, he had never heard these other gods speak because they were false gods and they were silent. But yet God was distinguishing himself from the silent sounds of the other gods. And he was saying, Abraham, do you hear me? He was unfolding to Abraham. Abraham, I'm a God who speaks. Did Abraham pass the test? As we look at verse number one, we see God call his name and Abraham says this, here I am. Abraham says, yes, God, I hear you. What is this proving to Abraham? Abraham is beginning to learn, I am a man who is familiar with God when he speaks to me. Abraham's beginning to get familiar with the voice of God. The next question in this test, I believe, is the question that asks this. Do you trust me, Abraham? In your notes, I believe this was a test of Abraham's faith. How did Abraham do with this test of faith? Well, remember, Abraham didn't have a great track record when it came to trusting God. Do you remember when God promised him a child to be born? Abraham got impatient. He quit waiting. He quit, uh, he was disobedient to God and went and had a baby his own way with his wife's handmaid. So God brought back a test in front of him to give Abraham another chance. A second chance. What did Abraham do in displaying his faith? Well, this time, I I believe as we take a look at the story, it's all over the story. We see that it took faith for Abraham to say, yes, Lord, I hear you. It took faith for Abraham to get up the next morning and go make the sacrifice. It took faith for Abraham to arrive at the bottom of the mountain and see from afar the place where the sacrifice was going to go and leave his servants there to pursue up and climb that mountain to make that sacrifice. We see Abraham tell the two young men that came with him, he said this, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy are going to go worship, but we... I and the boy, we, we're gonna come back to you when we're done worshiping. Do you notice here the type of faith that it required for Abraham to say, We will come back and worship? Commentaries say it's really hard to know what Abraham was thinking. Some believe that he was thinking that it was possible that God could raise his son from the dead and they would both come back together. But it also took faith for Abraham to put his son on a stack of wood, to raise a knife to get ready to sacrifice his child. Can you imagine what was going on in Abraham's heart at the moment of the sacrifice? I mean, if it were me, I would have had to psych myself out. I would have had to pump myself up. I would, heart would be pumping, heavy breathing. I would be in fight or flight mode as I had a hand on my son and grabbed a knife in the other hand and raised my hand into the air. I probably would have had to been an absolute wild man. So just so that I could go through with it. I probably would have let out a roar like a lion and screamed to the top of my lungs. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Just, to, uh, just warrior face. And in the heat of that moment, in verse 11, an angel called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And once again, Abraham that was familiar with the voice of God, it freezes Abraham in that moment and stops him in mid-swing I I just got to say, if it was me, I probably would have been screaming and trembling so loud and so absolutely out of control, I probably wouldn't have stopped. But God freezes Abraham and arrests his body, and he hears something that's all too familiar, the voice of God. And I can imagine with relief, Abraham said, here am I. And God tells him, don't lay a hand on that boy. We're going to come back to that part in a moment. But God makes a declaration over Abraham. This is the big test. This is the big proving that God is trying to help Abraham to see. And here's what he declares over Abraham. Abraham, for now, I know that you fear God. These were the test results declared over the heart of Abraham. So many of us have read this passage. I have read this passage many times to see a God who was testing Abraham, to see if Abraham had the good stuff, to see if Abraham was going to be able to prove to God, prove to the world that he had what it takes. But God already knew Abraham had what it takes. I believe the real question here was, did Abraham know that Abraham had what it take to be a faithful man of God. So God went through this dramatic ordeal and entered into his present life in the way that he would understand in the culture of sacrifice to teach Abraham something. Have you ever gotten the news that you pass a test, but you didn't know you had what it take to pull it off? I kind of wonder if Abraham knew that he had what it takes to pull it off. And it's almost like God was shouting at him, Abraham, you did it. You always had it in you. Look at you, man of God, I'm so proud of you. And he declares to the world and he still declares to us through all of history and to you and I today, look at what I can do with a pagan. God knew what was already in Abraham, and he tested him time and time again, all throughout the story. And Abraham proves his faith over and over again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. I believe that God was proving Abraham's faith to Abraham. This was a moment of restoration, because Abraham had previously not believed He went his own way. He disobeyed. And I could only imagine the shame of Abraham when he had a child his own way and did not obey the voice of God. So here's this, not only this moment of restoration, but a moment of declaration over the heart of Abraham. Abraham, you are not that man anymore. You are not that disobedient man. You are a man who fears me. Look at you, obedient man of faith. I believe that God is testing and proving some things within Abraham. The next question in this test that I notice is the question, do you know me? Notice in verse 12, after God had said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, don't lay your hand on the boy. In your notes, I believe this was a test of Abraham's knowing what did Abraham know about the God that was asking him to sacrifice compared to the God's little g of the culture that he grew up in? Remember, his father and his brother, scripture says, were making sacrifices to the gods. It was very common that when you grew up in a family that made sacrifices to the God, you participated along with the religion of your family. And it's so easy to understand why God would come to him this way and test his knowing because he knew that Abraham was familiar with all types of different ways of worship. And I believe that this test of knowing is the climax of the story today. Scripture says an angel of the Lord came to Abraham. Understand, this was not any angel. The Bible says it was an angel of the Lord. This was God himself coming to Abraham. Abraham. This word, Lord, actually um, denotes a personal God. So Moses, when he's writing this, he's making sure that we all know that this was not some, any God out there, this was personal, this was Yahweh, this was a personal God. None of the other gods that Abraham had known before were a personal God. So God is distinguishing himself again. Not only does he speak and he's verbal, but he's also personal, and he wants a relationship. And here's what this personal God says to Abraham. Abraham, do not lay your hands on that boy. What is he unfolding to Abraham? I believe in the text God is saying, Abraham, I went through all of this. I brought you up to this mountain. I asked you to sacrifice your child to tell you this. I'm not like the other gods. I am nothing like the other gods you serve, Abraham. I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your child. I want your obedience. In that culture, whatever people were most desperate for, so if they were in a drought season, they were most desperate for the rain god. So they would worship the rain god and people would actually choose what they called a most high god. And and I believe God was coming to Abraham and saying, Abraham, I want to be your most high god. I believe that God is unfolding to Abraham, that he is real, that he is high and lifted up, and that he wants a personal relationship, one unlike any false God could provide. After he calls Abraham's name and he says, I'm not like any other God, scripture says this that Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. No other God had provided sacrifices for the people before. And here comes this God displaying something brand new. Remember when we started this soap series out, we said that the Old Testament is full of expectation, and the New Testament is full of fulfillment. If we read the Old Testament and we're not looking for Jesus, we're reading it wrong because he's on nearly every page of the Old Testament. I believe this passage here, we can see clearly that God is pointing Abraham to Jesus, the one who provides a ram in the thicket. And 2,000 years later, after this period, we would find another provision, another sacrifice stuck in a thicket. His name was Jesus, but this time there was not uh, 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 thorns around a, a, a ram's head of horns, but there were thorns around the head of our Savior Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't God's word amazing? I mean, you can not make this stuff up. It's impossible. We're looking at the story of Abraham and the sacrifice, and now we're going to move from observation uh, to application. We're going to apply the text here. Last week, we applied this first point, and we said that God doesn't care about your lineage, and here's all I'm going to say about that. Go to last week's message if you want more details. Here's what I'm going to say is that it doesn't matter if your daddy was an idol worshiper like Abraham's, and it doesn't matter where you come from. It does not disqualify you because when God calls you, he does not make mistakes, He knows exactly who you are he knows exactly the mistakes you're going to make. He knows that perhaps when he calls you and invites you and tells you you're going to have a, a child, he knows that you may be disobedient just like Abraham, but he knows that his love and his consistency will begin to transform your heart and correct your heart. And in due time and in due season, as you learn to trust and hear and understand and obey his voice, you will become a man or woman of faith, just like Abraham. The second thing that that we're gonna notice today in our application is that God does not care about your age. God doesn't care, he's gonna, he's gonna test us regardless of our age. Whether we're seven years old or whether we're 70, God is into revealing himself to you. I wanna tell you this today that no matter what behavior you have ever participated in, that God will always test you to reveal his love for you and to reveal your desire to walk in obedience to him. This is the kindness of the test. Some of us are like, I don't want God to test me. He's so mean. He's bringing another test again. No, the test is his kindness to reveal. It's like a mirror to show you what your status is right here and now and in the moment. And here's the question for you today, perhaps as God is testing your heart. Maybe you have said, I don't know how to hear God. Maybe you have said, he doesn't speak to me. Maybe you have said, I don't know how to trust him. Maybe you've said, does he really personally know me? And I I believe through this story today, God is testing our hearts. And he's saying, do you see? Do you hear me? Do you know that I am personal? And as he asks you this question, he's asking you, do you realize that it's me speaking to you? Do you hear me? Do you trust me? Do you know me? He says, I'm not trying to trip you up. I'm testing you out of my love for you. And maybe you've passed some tests Maybe you didn't know you had it in you, but you have passed some tests in your life. And God wants you to look at those moments and say, wow, what a great God I serve. He has been so faithful to me. He has been so good to me because I know who I was. I know I was in a land of pagans. I know that I did not serve God, but he just chased me time and time again. And he molded and he shaped my heart into what I am today. And thank you, Lord, because of what you've done in me. Maybe you failed some tests. Maybe you're failing a test right now. Do you hear the kindness of the Lord testing you again right now. Do you know me? Do you know what I'm capable of doing with a heart like yours? I I gotta tell you personally, God has tested me time and time again, and I have failed him. I have missed the mark. And in his kindness, he has come to test me again. And he has come to test me again because he's going to continue to test me. He's going to continue to prove in me his love for me, his kindness for me, his ability to transform me. And he already knows his ability, but he wants me to know his ability. And as I begin to yield and surrender my life to him, he begins to prove what he is capable of doing in a person just like me. And he'll do the same thing for you today. Today, if you're getting water baptized, actually, we're going to have baptism in the second service today. So that was my announcement for the second service. You want to watch water baptism? Come for, come for take two. <laughs> Here's the last thing today is that God doesn't care about your shortage he didn't care about your shortage. In fact, scripture says this, that, that compared to our God, every human on this planet, they fall short of his glorious standard and his perfection. And God is saying to us, I am not like the other gods that are constantly pointing out your shortage. I'm not a God who's constantly wanting more sacrifice from you. In fact, I'm a God who provides the sacrifice for you. Do you hear the message of the gospel in this story that's being declared to the world as we read about Abraham and Isaac? God wants to show you, as he did Abraham, that you don't need to earn his blessings, his favor, or his affection through sacrifice. That's what the other gods do. I'm not like the other gods, God says to you. He says to us today, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your obedience. Did you know that your best sacrifice is not your best worship in here on Sunday morning? Your best sacrifice that you have to offer is your obedience. God would rather you never sing another song and live disobedient to him. Never open your mouth again. He would rather you walk in obedience. You know, I know so many believers, I have been one, that have gotten so wrapped up in loss in legalism. And I was just like, the pagans in that culture trying to give more, sacrifice, bring better and, and do more. I was wearing myself out, sacrificing the gods, working so hard, enslaving to get God's attention. Do you see me now? God, look at what I did for you. I did something really big for you. Are you impressed with me now? You should bless me now because I did something so amazing. And he said, Sean, Sean, Abraham, Abraham, put down your sacrifice. Don't lay a hand on the boy. He says to you, Don't work, don't sacrifice one more time. He says, I'm not like the God of the other religions, nothing like that. In fact, I believe God's saying to us today, those gods want you to constantly give more, but I'm a God who wants you to receive more. Those gods say, I-, I want you to constantly try and bring to me over and over and over again, but God says, I just want you to trust. Those gods wanna constantly point out what's wrong with you and where you lack, but God says, hey, I'm a God who's gonna point out what's right in you. Those gods are constantly about conditions and everything being right and the the sacrifice being performed this way. But God says, I'm not about conditions. I'm about provisions. Those gods are about transaction. And God says, I'm about transformation. I want to change and transform your heart into my image. Those gods are about rules and rewards for good behaviors. And God says, I'm about blessings and inheritance because you are my son and you are my daughter. Don't lay another hand on that boy. I love how Paul puts it. In Philippians 4, 9, he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. There's so many people today as we are surrounded in a world just like Abraham, a world of people worshiping all kinds of different gods. And take away the big devils and the freaky images of, of Aphrodites and all these other crazy gods. We have people serving the God of social media every time they threw up a post trying to put out an image about themselves. Every time they strive and try to get a a bigger paycheck so they could do more to impress people. Every time they they try to do things to get others' attention or try to get God's attention. Every time people try to perform for God, believers trying to say, God, see me, notice me. Do you see me? Do you love me? Do you like me? And God says to you, I like you. I've been trying to, I I proved it to you 2,000 years ago when I sacrificed my son. In fact, while you were a pagan worshiper, I went and provided a ram in the thicket for you when you were nothing and you had nothing to give me. I decided a long time ago that you were worth redeeming because I see something beautiful. I see something great in you.